Friday night. Another beautiful Friday night as a helicopter, actually a plane, United Airlines flight comes flying past the Empire State Building and takes a landing at Newark Airport. I'm glancing out at a sunset on a beautiful day, a beautiful Friday, TGIF. Larry Kay, your host, is with you now. And Rick, I was going to say the same thing, my bro. Sahar, what's up? Rick, what's up? I don't know where people are. I think the platform change kind of got in people's way. So they're scrambling to figure out Podbean, YouTube, this, that, the other thing. But I tried to get Podbean working again, and the audio was low. So you know what? I made the move. I figured out the setup where I'll be able to release this to the majority of you listeners who listen after the live show and still do the live show and do it on my better microphone with the music very audible in the background. And I got a special playlist for you this week because it's like a whole different vibe than I usually go for. It's not the soul jazz thing. It's more like the psychedelic, uh, you know, rock, smooth fusion thing. We got a lot to talk about because you know there's a lot in the news right now. Everything I say in this podcast is strictly my opinion. Nothing I say in this podcast is the opinion of any other entity or any other person. I am not speaking to you in my official capacity. I am speaking to you as a private citizen. Everything I say in this podcast is strictly for entertainment purposes, but you know I keep it real. Mac DeMarco is playing in the background. The playlist will be out once the... uh, episode drops I had another long week but what else is new with me right but I wasn't the only one who had a long week there's tons of stuff in the news let's get to it in Russia the war rages on Ukraine reports that they're using a losing a hundred troops per day Russia speculation is that they could fight for another year at this pace so now it becomes a war of attrition How long can Ukraine absorb the casualties? How long can they launch counteroffenses in the east? How long can Russia sustain its heavy losses? The reports are that Russia has lost many, many senior and junior officers. And it has had so many casualties within its ranks that some of the forces are disorganized. They're not well-disciplined. And so Russia has now resorted to equipping these what they call Frankenstein forces, Frankenstein forces, where it's they've combined these decimated units to try to fight in the east because they've gotten hit so hard when they tried to push further west. So although the news in the United States doesn't spend a lot of time on the Russia-Ukraine conflict, I've long said it's a very important aspect of Western civilization. It's the front lines. It's also a lot of the reason for why we're seeing such an upward pressure on prices in this country, which I'll get to in a minute. But Ukraine continues to fight in the eastern front and above the city of Kharkiv. Now, Kharkiv was initially taken by the Russians. Ukraine has launched a counteroffensive and has now pushed them north of Kharkiv. And north of Kharkiv, there is heavy shelling from the Russians on the Ukrainians. And there's intense fighting taking place north of Kharkiv right now. All the fighting is concentrated in that Donbass region because, as we said before, Russia has said that they, you know, are recalibrating and concentrating on the east. I think it's an excuse because they got beat so bad when they went further west. And now we wait and see 
we wait and see whether there'll be a ceasefire that gives Russia a part of the east or whether Ukraine pushes them out or whether Russia can force its way further west. We wait and see. As I touch on that, this is this other artist playing in the background. His name's Jerry Paper. Jerry Paper. I just discovered him recently, and he's dope. And it was funny because I was watching an interview of him on YouTube, and they said, well, who are your influences? And he said, well, Steely Dan. Steely Dan's one of my biggest influences, the way they write songs. And it's funny because I'm just vibing with this dude. And then you realize, well, Steely Dan's a big influence of mine, too. I mean, I named an album. My second album ever was named The Deacon Blues, for, for God's sake. So... It's interesting that we have that in common. I think he's a dope artist. He's interesting. He's unique. He's smooth. I got a couple of his tracks on the playlist for tonight. Now, let's move on from the Russian news. Let's talk about what's on a lot of people's minds. And don't worry. I know what's on all of your minds predominantly. And trust me. Trust me, I'm going there. Trust me, I've got plenty to say about what you, what's going on, what went on last night. But first, let's touch on inflation. There was a, a damning report today not a surprise to any of us who are living this life who have to spend money on gas and groceries and living but inflation the consumer price index is up 8.6 percent it's up 8.6 percent as of the report this month that is the highest rate that is the highest increase in inflation since 1981 We are currently enduring the highest rate of inflation in 40 years. And I always say like the millennials, but it's not like the other generations aren't suffering through the same thing, right? So let's let's not say millennials. Let's say every generation that's alive on this earth who has gone through 9-11, the recession, the Trump presidency. I hate to say it, Republicans, if you're listening, but the Trump presidency all these massive social and societal upheavals the social media revolution which has in a bad way revolutionized and kind of devolved our social dialogue and now we have to go through unprecedented virtually unprecedented in 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 recent memory inflation the likes of which we haven't seen since 1981 Uh, what else is what else is in store for us you know What else can we possibly go through at this point? I wonder. But the interesting thing is that fuel, you know, there's a couple things fueling, no pun intended, the inflation in in general. And it's, it's from different angles. It's from different weight, you know, different places. And people want to assign blame. You know, who's the cause of the inflation? Is it Biden? Is it somebody else? Is it the supply chain? Is it these evil corporations who are price gouging? What is it? Well, there's a few reasons for the inflation. First of all, fuel is up. The price of fuel is up 106.7%, which again is one of the highest increases in recent memory. Fuel obviously goes into the manufacture and the transport and the distribution of products throughout our economy. So if the price of fuel is that high, obviously it's going to put upward pressure on prices for consumers. So that's one of the causes. And I'll get back to fuel in a minute because there's a, a reason why, you know, we can talk about fuel and why fuel is so high and everybody knows why. It goes back to the first topic of this podcast. But shelter costs are up. So the cost of your rent, the cost of your mortgage is up. 
It's up one-third of the Consumer Price Index. Now, that is the highest pace over a 12-month period in 31 years. So the cost of your housing, the cost of housing in general, is the highest it's been as far as increase in 31 years, three decades. Now, real wages, and I know I am kind of seem like I'm rambling, but I'm just touching on all the different aspects of this inflation issue. Real wages are, you know, your wage as compared to what it costs you to live. So, you know, if you make, say, five dollars, you know, I'm being very in very simple terms. I know no one hope not makes five dollars an hour anymore, but you make five dollars an hour and the price of lunch, you know, is two dollars, then your income has a certain ratio to what it costs you to eat lunch. But if you're hourly rate is five dollars and lunch is five dollars well obviously your net income goes down it becomes net zero right so and siren yeah fuck you if you live in the middle of nowhere it's a it's a advantageous to you because you can keep your cost of living low and those of us who live in more like metropolitan areas the cost of living now i live in a rent controlled building i'm lucky but not everybody is so lucky and if you're out in the market for a new home you're not lucky and I might just remark to you, just to keep my, you know, literary prowess on display, I'm looking at the New York City skyline right now, and the, the hues of purple, magenta, you know, glow at dusk are gorgeous right now. The Passaic River is reflecting the Newark and New York skyline. Traffic is going in and out of the, the skyway, and the sky is just a beautiful, beautiful violet hue. And so there are still some beautiful things in this world, despite the news and the politics that we have to deal with. I just wanted to let you guys know that. Now, the fact is that real wages have actually decreased. So if you were making the same amount of money you were making, you know, six months ago, relative to the cost of living and the cost of just products out there in the world, your salary has gone down 0.6%. Your salary has gone down 0.6% over the last few months because the inflation is outpacing your salary so badly. That's what's going on. And I was listening to News 12 today, which is News 12 is like a a New York area um, localized news source. They had a, a professor on from Hofstra University today. A Dr. Martin Melconian. And Dr. Martin Melconian, he had a lot of knowledge to spit. I enjoyed what he said. What he said was, there was a few things he said about this inflation going on. He said, number one, wages are actually very high relative to where they've been the last few years. Therefore, people at the bottom rung of the income chain, people at the bottom rung of the income hierarchy are seeing increased wages. They're seeing more wages than they've seen in a very long time. And so even though inflation is so high, people at the bottom rung are experiencing enough of a a wage boost that they're still seeing an increased income. People at the very top of the income hierarchy are also seeing a huge windfall, a huge boon because they own corporations, they own energy companies, they own all these things, they're getting more and more money. But he made the interesting point, and I say, what else is new? He made the interesting point that people in the middle, 
me, you, and probably everybody listening to this podcast, people in the middle are getting squeezed the hardest because we're the ones who rely on those incremental raises. We're the ones who have to deal with these taxes and these cost of living increases. We have these expenditures. We don't have a windfall like they do at the top where we're selling the fuel. And we don't have a windfall like they do at the bottom where wages are so rapidly increasing that they're surpassing any you know, earning potential we'd had in recent memory. So we are getting squeezed the most. The working class and the middle class are getting squeezed very hard and Americans across the country are feeling the pain of this. And the Biden administration has to figure out what they're going to do. Now, this professor from Hofstra, he said he was wondering whether the sanctions on Russia were actually a smart move at this juncture. Now, me, at first, I was, of course, so on board with sanctioning Russia. The, the war is illegal. They should be squeezed. They should feel the pain. But this professor questions whether it was a, 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 a prudent move to exert these sanctions on Russia at a time where when we squeeze the world oil supply, it's going to put upward pressure on our prices as well. So not only are we squeezing Russia, but we're squeezing ourselves. And he debated whether sanctions should continue the way they are, number one. He also suggested that Biden and the Biden administration utilize price controls to try to prevent some of these oil companies from price gouging, which he said is going on. And he had other ideas such as that. He questioned basically the administration's approach to this. Now, another thing is that the Federal Reserve is going to continue to raise interest rates, as is their only mechanism. It's the only mechanism available to them is to raise interest rates. So they're going to continue to raise interest rates. But that might not do enough because raising interest rates, you know, starts to constrict the money supply on the demand side. But it seems as though the the upward pressure on prices is coming from the supply side with supply shortages from COVID and in the form of high fuel prices. And the high fuel prices, make no mistake, are directly correlated with the conflict in Russia and Ukraine. Just like back in the late 70s, early 80s, when it was OPEC, and it was an oil supply which caused stagflation, we are finding ourselves back in a similar situation where the conflict in Russia, Ukraine, and the sanctions imposed on Russia are causing the inflationary pressures. And that means that it won't necessarily work to just decrease the money supply and just raise interest rates. And the Fed is getting scared from what I read because they see this may be stubborn inflation that doesn't go away necessarily very soon. And some of the people who, you know, proposed or predicted that inflation would stabilize or inflation would come down are looking like they may be wrong. And so now what you're seeing is the administration and those in power at the Federal Reserve and other entities responsible for monetary supply trying to figure out the best way to tackle inflation. And make no mistake, whether we're talking about the Jan- January 6th um, hearings, whether we're talking about um Ukraine and Russia, whatever we're talking about, the primary thing on the minds of most everyday Americans going into the midterm elections is their pocketbooks. It's always the primary issue and economics. And if inflation continues to run rampant and inflation continues to go out of control, the Biden administration and the Democrats, because Biden's in power, are going to be in big trouble. And that's despite 
the Roe v. Wade decision, which is which is imminent, which I think is going to boost the Democrats if, in fact, they do go back on Roe v. Wade. And it's despite the January 6th hearings, which you know we're going to get to. You know I can't wait to talk about the January 6th. You know that's why I even signed on tonight. You know that's why I'm here. So don't worry, we're going to get to that. But I think despite all of that, despite all of that, you know, the inflation is going to be the biggest thing on Biden. It's the biggest thing holding his approval ratings down. I mean, we're, we're adding jobs to the economy. The GDP is doing well. People are employed, raised, you know, wages are going up. But the inflation is, is putting such a damper on all the good economic news that it's killing Biden's approval rating. It's killing the administration. And Rick, I agree. It's all based on speculating. There's a lot of speculating with the oil. It's not necessarily costing more to procure or to mine or to drill for. It's just the speculation because of the scarcity of the resource, which is putting upward pressures on the prices. And that's why price controls might be a good idea. And what this professor pointed out was that they did use price controls during the Nixon administration, who was a Republican, to try to control the, the gas issue. So it can be done. It could be. It can be done. And yes, Siren, I would recommend a financial advisor for sure. I mean, it's probably a good thing to do. Now to pivot, to pivot off inflation. I have one more thing to talk about before we get into the January 6th stuff. One more thing. I want to talk about because we just spent so much time on and I refuse, you guys know, and we refuse as a family, as a logical base of thinkers, we refuse to let go of issues like everybody else that seem to just flip the channel, flip the day, and all of a sudden the issues out of sight, out of mind. We're going to talk about guns really quick because we spent so much time on it two weeks ago. And we will continue to spend time on it because it continues to kill young men and women across this country, whether in mass shootings or more predominantly in inner city violence across this country. And hold on, Rick said something. I want to get his comment here. I was down in Yuma last week, which has become a transportation hub. Miles and miles of train tracks with huge links, double stretch, and just sitting in the middle of nowhere, not moving. See? So why aren't they moving? Because it's an excuse? Are they purposely? Like, you know, the, some of the clubs in New York City, you go to a club, it's supposed to be a premier club, so they purposely make the line long, even though they have capacity inside. They still just hold it up to constrict it. I don't know if that's going on so blatantly, but maybe it, perhaps it is. Corporations are making record profits while this inflation skyrocketing. So the government could step in and regulate prices to some extent to help the rest of us out. Let's see if they do it. Let's see what they do. Let's see what the Biden administration can do because right now their approval rating is way underwater and he's struggling. And he was on Jimmy Kimmel the other night and apparently could barely get a sentence out. They are struggling. The Biden administration is struggling, make no mistake. They're not doing great. I've been saying that. But because of the gun violence, remember, we, we guns are still a thing, just like Ukraine's still a thing, guys. Just because we're pivoting in the news cycle doesn't mean we're going to let go of issues that matter to all of us. We're not going to let them let it go. The House passed a bill, the Protect Our Children bill, something of that nature. The House bill got the support of five Republicans. Two Democrats defected and voted against it. Go figure. It passed the House on a 224 to 202 vote. The bill would basically establish a red flag law on a federal at the federal level. I've been long preaching and long advocating for red flag laws to try to get ahead of violence when there are warning signs on social media before somebody goes out and tries to you know, commit an act of mass violence. 
the House bill would provide for red flag laws at the federal level, which I think is a good start. It would also ban anybody under the age of 21 from buying an automatic weapon, and it would put limits on large capacity magazines. In fact, it would ban the sale of large capacity magazines across the country. Now, what's the bad news about the House passing that bill? You already know, don't you? Because of the filibuster in the Senate, it's, quote, dead on arrival. The bill's dead on arrival. But the good news is, even though that particular bill is dead on arrival in the Senate, there is a bipartisan group of senators currently working on a gun bill. Their idea to kind of bypass some of the opposition to it And CLR says the Senate won't do it. And then CLR, I mean, yeah, they might not. They're not going to pass that bill. That's for sure, CLR. But what they're talking about in the Senate right now is passing a bill which would incentivize states to set up their own red flag laws. And the federal government would fund the states and give them incentives and assistance if they were to set up red flag laws of their own. Currently, I believe only 19 states have red flag laws. So at least it's something, right? But the capacity limits on the magazines, that's definitely not going to happen. The 21 and older, 21 and, you know, younger thing is not going to happen. And I find that I was thinking about the 21 thing this week. I was driving to work and I was just thinking to myself, I was thinking, what is with the arbitrary ages that we have in this country it's like oh at 18 you just become an adult you're liberated under the laws of the country you're an adult all of a sudden so you can walk in and buy as many firearms as you want whereas at 17 a day earlier you couldn't do it isn't that the most arbitrary nonsensical thing you've ever heard there are some 25 year olds who are not adults and there are some 16 year olds who are probably full adults right this arbitrary number and we all just accept it as we all just accept it without question because the law says so the law says at 18 you're an adult and now we want to say well the law is 21 21 and younger you can't buy a gun well i agree with that the counter to that is always well at 18 you can go fight a war well how about this guys people are living longer people are staying at home longer people are you know 30s the new 20 40s the new 30 so how about this How about we don't draft 18 and 19 year olds anymore? How about we just start drafting at 21? And instead of going to 25, we go to 28 and just solve the problem that way. Now you don't have to go to war at 18, 19, 20, but you also can't buy a gun at 18, 19, 20, because let's face it, in 2022, 18, 19, 20 is still kids. Why Why do they need to be able to buy guns? Yeah, the military has training, but you know what? They don't even need to go. Or, like Israel does, you have everybody do a mandatory military assignment from 18 to 20. It would help kids figure out if they want to go to vocational school or go into a trade or go into college. It would give 18 to 20-year-olds solid employment coming out of high school. It would give 18 to 20-year-olds training on weapons. It would give 18 to 20-year-olds a sense of civil du- civic duty and patriotism. I don't see why that's a bad solution either. But long story short, it's dead on arrival in the Senate, but hopefully they do something. But I thought it was so egregious. I think it's so egregious. I think it's so egregious. That we've had massive murders, and we continue to have massive murders 
every day. And I'm not just talking about mass shootings. I'm talking about inner city violence. Every day, every day, people die of suicide by gun, domestic violence homicide by gun, inner city homicide violence by gun, and mass shootings by gun, and school shootings by gun. And yet there are people elected to solve problems in our country who are sitting in the Senate who are saying it's dead on arrival. Scalise in the House already said that he doesn't agree with the bill because it restricts the rights of lawful gun owners. Steve, you got shot on the baseball field, Steve. You got shot by a psycho. You know better than anybody that psychos with guns is a bad idea, Steve. You got shot playing baseball. And you're still saying this. This is the this is where these people are mentally. This is the people we're dealing with. Even more disgusting. Even more disgusting. There is an association. This is not the NRA. The NRA is bad enough. We got a new one, guys. We got a new one. The American Firearms Association. AFA. American Firearms Association. They came out. And they called any of the Republican senators who are even negotiating for a common sense regulatory regime to help ameliorate the weapons problem in this country. They came out and said that the senators, the Republican senators negotiating for common sense gun reform are treacherous bastards, treacherous bastards. That's where we are in this country. If you want to be a moderate, if you want to. Do something that's common sense. Find common ground. If you want to solve a problem for the American people, you are deemed a treacherous bastard, a traitor. The five Republicans who voted for the House bill, they were called traitors by the weapons lobby. This is where we are as a society, where if you step outside of your party line, your little bubble, your little nonsensical sheep cult for two seconds, you're called a treacherous bastard. So people are dying in the streets and you want to solve the problem of people dying in the streets. You want to solve the problem of little babies going to school and getting shot. You're a treacherous bastard. No, I want to know who said that quote. I want to know who heads up the AFA. I want to know what knucklehead, bum, evil, scumbag, idiot works for that organization and released that quote. And I'd like to meet him face to face over a beer and tell him what I think of him. Because if you're that low of a piece of nothing human being, that that's the best you can come up with in this intellectual and political debate, then we don't need you anywhere in the arena of the public dialogue. Who are these bums? Who are these bums in this country? Who are these losers? This is what we're dealing with. Who are these bums? And thank you, Rick, for doing the segue, because that's exactly where I'm going. January 6th. Let's talk about some bums. Let's talk about the hearings coming out of D.C. this week. McCarthy, you know McCarthy, Mr. Trumpy, cozy up, go to Mar-a-Lago, meet with him, Mr. Trump steward, Trump lackey, Trump, thank you, sir, can I have some more, Trump put me in a toga and whipped me with a belt, 
That guy, McCarthy, reports are that his staffers at the insurrection on January 6th were running for their lives, running like scattering. Of course they were. They were scared. There was they were under siege. But even after McCarthy's own people ran away because they were under siege from Trump's lackeys, McCarthy turns around and backs Trump. Let's talk about January 6th. First of all, let me remind you of something. Anybody out there who still wants to pretend that January 6th was a sham, that January 6th was a a tourist visit, that January 6th was nothing, that January 6th was nothing to, to, to be a big deal about. Let me remind you, all the people out there like Trump was acquitted on impeachment, the United States Senate, where the the gun reform's dead on arrival, where the it's split evenly, 50-50, the United States Senate, the United States Senate voted 57 to 43 that Trump was guilty. 57 to 43 guilty. Guilty, guilty, guilty. 57 to 43, guilty. Guilty. I know statutory, I know constitutionally it's not enough of the threshold to actually convict, but stop gallivanting around saying he was acquitted as if he was innocent and they found no evidence of any kind of malfeasance. That's nonsense. 57 to 43, guilty. And now we see these hearings, which by the way, they came out and said... 20 million people watched the hearing last night. 20 million people watched live. I actually only caught some of it live. I watched later. I've been watching it. So 20 million. And by the way, to Kissinger and to Cheney, the two Republicans on the committee, I applaud you. You are patriots. We are. You are the kind of people we need in this country who are willing to step out of party lines, partisan pressures, nonsensical political selfish gain and do what's right for this country. I applaud Cheney and Kissinger. I applaud them. But did you see the evidence yesterday? Did you see the evidence? First of all, let's talk about Hannity and Fox News. PBS is airing the hearings. Just you watch it for yourself. Watch the hearing. You're, you're a citizen. Tune in and watch. Watch what they have to say. You can say they're full of shit. You could, you could say they're, you believe them. Whatever. Just watch. Watch the hearing. CNN's airing it. You can watch the hearing. Watch it for yourself. MSNBC airing the hearing. Watch it for yourself. You turn on Fox News. You turn on Hannity. And what do you see on the bottom of the screen? You see on the bottom of my screen, it says Logic and Larry Live, available on all platforms. I'm working with it. I'm trying to play with it. You know, I'm trying, I'll get something more catchy. But what was on the bottom of Hannity's show? It said sham, sham investigation continues omissions in the committee sham investigation democrat false narrative of the investigation why don't you just show them the hearing and let them decide for themselves you're not showing them the the audio of the hearing you're just telling them it's a sham anybody in this country i don't care and, and, and look i struggle with this because i've had some really good conversations this week i'll be honest with you i've had some really productive objective well-reasoned conversations with people on the left and the right this week that have inspired me that perhaps not everybody on one side of the aisle needs to always be chastised. But I struggle, guys. Logic and Larry family, I struggle 
trying to be nice or trying to find common ground or trying to be deferential or respectful in any way of anybody who is still sitting around pretending that the January 6th riot, insurrection, and treasonous activities were a sham, weren't really a thing, that the investigation is nonsense. If you say that, I have a really difficult time respecting you as a thinker of any sort. I gotta be honest. Why? Because we saw it on video. They showed on video the people with the Trump flags rushing the Capitol building, hitting police officers, bashing police officers, trying to breach it with a noose saying, where's Pelosi? And the evidence that came out just already, this is going to go on for six weeks. I'm going to be glued to my TV all July. I'm going to be glued to my TV. We all should be glued to our TVs. Every American should watch these hearings because this is how close we were to losing our free elections. This is how close we were to our democracy falling victim to a tyrant. And people want to act like it's just, oh, they were just in there hugging and kissing. Get out of my face with that. Some of the interesting thing that came out of the hearing so far, first of all, Bill, Bill Barr? Bill Barr, who was basically Trump's lackey from day one, Bill Barr, Bill Barr, who got out ahead of the Mueller report and and misconstrued to the American people what the Mueller report actually said in, in summary, who defended Trump to the end, who was Trump's guy, Trump's lawyer from jump. Bill Barr, we saw testing. Now, people are not understanding. Some of these testimonies, some of these videos that we saw last night, some of these videos that we saw last night, this is the first time they've ever been disclosed to the public. This is the first time these videos have ever been out. This is not like old news. This is brand new. We saw Bill Barr in his testimony to the committee. Bill Barr said straight up, Bill Barr said straight up, I thought, and this is something else for all all the people out there saying that it's a sham. A lot of them are the same people saying that the election was stolen and that there's somehow inconsistencies in the count and there's discrepancies in the election. Bill Barr, who was Trump's lackey, straight up said, I saw no evidence of the election being stolen or rigged or any voting Discrepancies. I thought, quite frankly, it was, in his words, he said, I thought it was bullshit. I thought it was bullshit. That's what he said. And he said that he was telling Trump that it was bullshit. Interestingly, Ivanka Trump, Ivanka Kushner, whatever her name is now, his own daughter, another one who's been down with him from day one, she said that once Barr explained that it was bullshit, she agreed that it was bullshit. There was all kinds of evidence coming out that everybody in Trump's inner circle said it was bullshit. So if you were stupid enough, and I'm sorry for being abrasive, and I'm again, remember, this is just me as a private citizen talking. This is my opinion. If you were stupid enough to believe that the election was rigged and that the election was stolen, if you're stupid enough to continue to believe that, let me tell you something. You're stupid because Trump's own inner circle thinks you're stupid. They think it's bullshit. They think it makes no sense. You fell for Trump shit when his own kids didn't. His own 
entrusted circle thinks it's bullshit and you're believing it. You're eating the bullshit that they won't eat. Think about yourself. Look in the mirror. You are believing what even his own kids won't believe. Why don't you stand up for yourself and stop being fed shit by a lying scumbag? Why don't you? A loser, mind you, who lost the election. A bum. A bum. A bum. You look stupid. Don't be stupid. Redeem yourself. Renounce him. So Trump, of course, now, because Trump will throw anybody under the bus. Trump will throw anybody under the bus that doesn't like. Now Ivanka and Barr are loose. He, he posted on whatever his stupid little thing. I don't even know what it is. His stupid little platform that he has because he's not allowed on Twitter anymore. He has some stupid little platform that no one cares about that he posts on now because he's he's got no life. So he posts stupid little things to people that have no life that also follow him. People that have no life. So they sign up for that stupid little thing. He posted on there. He posted on there. That Ivanka wasn't around. She was checked out after the election. She has no idea about anything. So all of a sudden, his own daughter, who he was obsessed with, all of a sudden doesn't know anything. And he said, Bill Barr, she was just trying to appease Bill Barr. And Bill Barr, he said in parentheses, he sucked. So now Bill Barr sucks. Bill Barr sucks because he doesn't agree with him. Is there a pattern here or is it just me that everybody Trump hires is the best? He's the best person ever, the best person ever. Then as soon as he says Trump's a moron, he sucks. Usually when there's one person and they're the common denominator and everybody they get around hates them and everybody they get around says that they're intelligent, that they can't do their job, that they're incompetent, usually the, the common denominator is the problem. It's Trump himself who's the idiot. Not Bill Barr, not Ivanka, not Mattis, not the oil CEO who was Secretary of State. His mind escapes me right now. They were not the problem. It was dummy. He's dumb. He's stupid. He should have never been president. You voted for him. That was your problem. That was a very silly thing to do. Very silly thing to vote for Trump. So we continue to go through this investigation. And you saw the the officer, Carolyn Edwards, who was the U.S. Capitol Police officer, the blonde woman. She was testifying she was called pelosi's dog she was called non-american this is a, a a young woman who took an oath to defend the country to defend the constitution a young woman in law enforcement that's another thing i want to talk about how can these same people you know i hate hypocrites so you know i criticize the liberals and you know i, I spend a lot of time criticizing liberals i criticize liberals all the time because they're very hypocritical all the time when they're super partisan i've criticized them for denouncing the insurrection but supporting the attack on federal buildings in Oregon and you know Portland and Seattle because it's hypocritical. Well, you know what else is very absurdly blatantly hypocritical is saying that you support law enforcement and you back the blue and you're such a big supporter of, you know, law enforcement and cops and then defending people who bum rushed police officers on January 6 and physically assaulted them to the point that they have permanent injuries. This police officer, Miss Edwards, was knocked unconscious and has a traumatic brain injury from these heathens. And we're going to pretend that you back the blue and that you care about law enforcement and that you care about law and order when you're backing people who bash the head of a police officer and cause traumatic brain injuries. A man died. A police officer born in New Jersey, mind you, died. 
These people are tourists? They're patriots? No, they're not. They're scum. They're treason. They're traitors. That's what they are. Traitors. And did you see that a bunch of GOP House members ran to Trump? There's reports, there's testimony, there's evidence that a bunch of GOP House members petitioned Trump after January 6th for a pardon? For pardons? Now, let me ask you this. If what you did you didn't think was illegal because you were standing up for what was right because the election was stolen, why would you need a pardon from Trump if what you did was perfectly legal and on the up and up and the patriotic duty? Wouldn't you only need a pardon if you had known that you committed a criminal act? That's what it seems like to me. That's what it seems like to me. So all these GOP people didn't vote to impeach, currently saying the investigation's a sham, but they're running to him for pardons. If you believe in this country, I don't care if you consider yourself a Trumpy, I don't care. I want you to take a breath right now with me. You could be mad at me because of what I just said about you. You could, you could be aggravated because you love Trump and you just you think he's fun. You have a little Trump flag. You bought it some flea market. You want to hang up. But take a deep breath. Think about this objectively. You don't have to tell me what you're thinking. Think about it in your own head. And tell yourself the, the truth, the truthful answer. You don't got to tell me. If you truly believe in this country and what it stands for, and you truly believe in freedom, and you truly believe in law enforcement and the rule of law, how could you support people who are actively trying to overthrow a free election, which we know because, by the way, guys, your people, your auditors, Trump, pro-Trump auditors have already done this ad nauseum in several states, I think including Arizona, have already checked the vote and come up with the same thing everybody else has, that Biden won. You support law enforcement? Take a look at the police officers who were brutally injured by unruly traitors and then tell me that Trump is a great person. And then tell me that he's worth voting for again. And then tell me that this investigation is a sham. Why would we not investigate an attack on our Capitol building? Think about it to yourself. How is it in any practicable way? How is it in any way logical on any level? How is it on any level logical to say our capital was literally breached and attacked. People died, cops died, and the lady who was attacking died, and we are just not going to investigate it at all. We're not going to look into it at all. We don't want to look into it one bit. That is the most absurd position I have ever heard. And quite frankly, the only person that would take a position that this is a sham and we shouldn't be doing it is somebody who has a lot to hide. The only people who are against this investigation, who don't want to hear the objective truth and the right answers and get to the bottom of it, the only people that think that are people who know the answer, that Trump precipitated it, that he looks bad, that people who supported him on that day were the ones who did what they did, and that an investigation is going to make them have to come to terms with the fact that their boy Trump is a traitor 
and that the people they supported and clapped on are traitors and that Trump is a piece of garbage. A traitor, a criminal. And they don't want to have to do that. Well, if you can't fess up to your own mistakes, you can't fess up to reality, then you're a coward. If you're calling this a sham and you don't even have the guts to watch it, you don't even have the guts to clear your mind and look at the facts, then you're a bum. You're a coward. And I don't know how much of a patriot you are at all. How can you be a patriot and ignore something that significant that happened to our country? How can you? How can you? I am sick and tired of hearing this idiot's name. I am sick and tired of people pretending that he didn't do what we all know he did. I am sick and tired of it. Did you see the other testimony? That when they were chanting, hang Pence, Trump remarked, maybe they should, that's what he deserves. So Trump was basically co-signing, basically advocating that the vice president of the United States be hanged because the vice president of the United States had the audacity to do his duty and certify a free election of the American people that he should be hanged for that? There is testimony that Trump staffers and those around Trump were scrambling to get him to tell the protesters to knock it off. They had megaphones at the protest regurgitating and reiterating and repeating Trump's tweets at the protest because make no mistake, they were acting on the behest of Trump and in support of Trump. The Trump flags, if they're not dead giveaways, then maybe the megaphone is. How much more blatant can we make it that they were acting at the behest of and for Trump? And the other revelation that came out that I thought again forecloses any nonsensical notion that this is a sham investigation or that Trump didn't do anything is that Pence was the one, not Trump, but Pence. Pence was the one who called in the National Guard. Pence called in the National Guard because Trump wouldn't do it. Pence called the National Guard, and even though he didn't really have the authority because technically Trump was the president, they listened to him. And apparently people in Trump's inner circle just pretended that it was given by the president because they knew they had to call the National Guard in Meadows. Pence called... Trump didn't... He's not. He didn't call. He let... It's crazy because if... You don't have to be that severe of an intellectual. You don't have to be that intelligent of a person to get a little bit outside the box on this. Just a little bit outside the box on this. Just a tad bit outside the box on this. If this had happened in Cuba or in a different country in, in some developing nation or in Eastern Europe or in Russia... The exact same thing where there was a, 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 a rush on the Capitol building during an election certification and the person in power refused to call in troops to stop it, you would easily say that was an attempted coup. You would easily say it. But you're in your own little bubble here and you don't want to admit it. Get outside your own little bubble. You don't have to be a genius to get outside your bubble a little bit and figure that out. And if you can't be honest with yourself to admit that, then you've got deeper problems than you even realize. Pence had to call the National Guard because Trump wouldn't do it. 
Now, Tom Wolford asked a question in the chat that I want to address, and it's not, it's not going to be an answer you want to hear. He asked, which is the higher probability? Trump will end up going to jail or Trump will win the 2024 presidential election? Well, unfortunately, I think the higher probability is that he wins the 2024 election. Why? Because I don't know why George is dragging their feet. I don't want to speak on somebody who's doing an investigation. I, I have every reason to believe that the prosecutors in Georgia are doing their best to, to you know, do their investigation. But I don't know that an indictment forecloses Trump from running. I don't think it does. I think only a conviction forecloses it. And worse, I don't know that the Republican Party... Remember, this is what I saw in the primary season, too. And, and primary season was interesting because every far-left liberal is trying to tell me, you're wrong, see? All the liberals are winning primaries. And all the Republicans, you know... By the way, in Jersey, most of the Trumpies, a lot of Trumpies got smacked. But some of them won primaries. They're probably not going to win the generals against the Democrats. Those districts are usually moderate Democrats. They're going to win. But primary season, who cares? It's your own base voting for you. That's what I worry about the most. We might all agree. We might all agree that, you know, Trump's unfit, the, the moderates, the normies, the normies, the regular people. But who votes in the Republican primary? Republicans only. And they're so far up Trump's butt that I don't see them not elect. If he runs, I see them nominating him. I see them nominating him. And then it gets to a point where those of us in the middle who look, Biden administration is is a is terrible. But I will say, I don't think about the president every night. I don't worry about like the, the nation crumbling every night because Biden's in office. Biden's at least a competent, normal individual with a little bit of an IQ. But he's not doing a good job. He's not doing a good job. But it's up to people like us to then say, okay, you guys nominated this idiot again, this traitor. We got to go with whatever the, the poison is on the other side. I wonder if people are have the, I don't know. People are petty. People are so self-absorbed. They don't feel the need to rise to the greater cause. So are they going to be just so worried about the, you know, their pockets? Meanwhile, I've said this forever. Obama put us on a trajectory that Trump rode economically. I've long said it. Trump didn't screw it up, but he wrote Obama's. This whole economy is not just just Joe Biden's. Trump printed money. Biden printed more money. Biden wanted to print even more money, which is why I was like, Jesus, don't pass that Build Back Better thing, which thank God they didn't. But the supply, you know, to be to be honest, the supply chain issues, the, the pandemic pressures on economics, they're not Trump's fault. And they're not Biden's fault. They're neither one of their faults. People have a, too much of a tendency to say whoever's in power at the time is going to make my life better or worse based on the circumstances. When think about it, any job you've gotten, you could change things to some extent, but you can't change the whole world as a stroke of a wand. So it's not like this is entirely Biden's fault. And it's not like Trump's going to come in. And it's going to magically be a great economy. But people think that because people don't people don't know much of anything, to be honest. So I wonder if they nominate Trump, if he runs, he's getting old, maybe he doesn't want to run. I don't know. If they nominate him, it's going to be up to the center again to say, we're not going to go for him. We're going to vote for whatever you put on the other side. Is it going to be Biden? Biden's getting old. Is it going to be Biden? Is it going to be Harris? Is it going to be a whole new candidate? What are they going to do? I'm curious about that, too. Is Biden just going to run for re-election automatically just because he's in there? He's really old and he's struggling. Are they going to go with Biden? Is Biden going to respectfully resign like Johnson and not seek re-election? I wonder. I wonder. 
But if they convict him before, then I see Georgia to me is the most baffling thing. Because Georgia, we have Trump on the phone recorded threatening the secretary of state of Georgia, threatening him, telling him to find the votes he needs. Georgia, in that county, in that district, it's not like the craziest lift to try to get a conviction on him. It's not like he's popular there. He clearly committed the crime. He clearly committed the crime. It's on tape. We've all heard it. That, to me, would be the, the, the most significant avenue to convict this guy. And remember, the Senate voted 57 to 43 that he was guilty of insurrection, that he should be impeached. 57 to 43, including several Republicans. Bipartisan impeachment. Bipartisan vote to convict. Just because people like Mitch McConnell and them didn't have the guts to vote to convict doesn't mean that he wasn't guilty. It doesn't mean that there was a, a consensus, a majority consensus to the tune of 57 to 43 that he was guilty. Had they done what they had to do, 10 more of them, he would, we wouldn't have to worry about this anyway. But let, let me tell you something. The fact that in this country in 2022, we have common sense gun regulation being passed to the Senate and somebody is calling senators who are even discussing the legislation treacherous bastards. And the fact that we have a president, a former president, who by all accounts, with your own eyes, you can see the evidence is clear. It was clear at the impeachment hearings. It's going to be clear in these hearings that he fermented a coup and spread lies about our free election and undermined our democracy. The fact that he's even in the discussion to even potentially be a nominee or the president again is pathetic, disgusting, and disheartening. But I don't think that's an American phenomenon. I think that's a human phenomenon. I don't think humans, I think I've given human beings too much credit. I don't think there are that many intelligent human beings walking this earth, and I don't think there ever were. I think the intelligent echelon of humanity is much slimmer than any of us want to believe. And so I'm not surprised when these massive narratives take hold. And, and look, I know today is a day where I pick on the, the right and the conservatives. But if you've been listening to me for the last month, you know, I've pretty much been getting on the, the left because they do the same thing. So I'm not excluding the left when I say that people are not intelligent. I think people in general, the majority, aside from those who rise above it and think objectively for themselves, the majority of people are incapable of it, unfortunately. It's a sad reality and a sad thing to acknowledge but I think it's true and it is sad but I do think it's where we are as a, as a society I think it's where we've always been I mean look throughout history I've been thinking about this like look at the, the Salem witch trials and the, the, the Inc Spanish Inquisition and, and slavery and all these other terrible absurd things Nazism and we keep wondering, well, how could you do it? How could you do it? Well, well, what do you mean, how could you do it? It's human propensity to be stupid and to, and to have a mob mentality and a mass hysterical, absurd mentality and to be get bogged down in false narratives and absurd mystical beliefs and not to look at your basic sensory perception and come to objective conclusions. It's, it's, it's a human trait. It's been going on since the beginning of humanity. It's not an abnor abnormal thing. It's not an anomaly. It's the natural state of human beings. 
So the fact that Trump may get nominated again, that's the natural state of humanity. The fact that Trump is even in the running is a natural state of humanity. Do you realize that's the other thing? Keeping a democracy, keeping a free society, keeping that going is hard work because the natural state of societies over history from Rome to almost every other human structure in history has always reverted to a utilitarian, to a totalitarian, tyrannical, monarch-type system. Humans are averse almost to actual collaboration and rule by the many on a collaborative plane, taking into account actual analyses and actually collaborating on solutions to problems. Humans revert more so to single-person, single-party rule. If you look at human history, it's just the tendency of human beings. And that's a sad thing, especially growing up in America. We're taught that's not the natural state of human beings, but we are now realizing that perhaps it is. And Siren says, because people are complacent with being told what to do and what to think, as long as it doesn't directly affect them. Well said. Perfectly said. And in this country, we have too many people who are so numb and so unempathetic and completely self-absorbed where they have this present sense bias I always discuss I always talk about where they think well they've lived a charmed life since their youth they've never seen actual war like other countries have even 9-11 if you weren't there if you weren't born if you were in another state it doesn't really affect you you have lived such a privileged life in this country that you don't have any sense of reality or urgency when when they literally are going to overthrow your government you don't even think it's real because your life has been so charmed that reality itself that the norm of humanity things that could absolutely happen because they happen so frequently throughout human history and currently happen all across the world today more likely than not to happen you've lived such a charmed sheltered life that it seems remote that it would happen it seems absurd that it would happen so you classify it as a tourist visit and a sham investigation because the alternative is believing that a guy that you liked that you voted for that seemed like american american to the core is actually a traitor the, the same values that you profess, the same values that you proclaim that you exude are actually contrary to the man that you voted for, contrary to the flag that you wave. And it's very difficult to accept. And that's a scary and, and fascinating thing. And that's why I've unplugged so much from so many political things, because I've realized the futility I come here to speak to you guys because you guys are the audience. You guys are great. The people who listen recorded, there's many more than listen live. We're a small family. We do what we do. We discuss things. We try to stay real. We listen to this smooth music to try to just decompress and have a brew. But... Getting too involved sometimes and too invested emotionally actually just destroys us because we know it's futile. It's an uphill battle against a tidal wave of masses of people that will not listen to us. We're almost better off hanging out with each other, giving each other moral support and discussing these things amongst ourselves. Because going out into the world and trying to carry this banner and this flag out there is 
detrimental to our health. It's just, and, and CLR says, you know, their argument is 18 is legal adult because you could sign contracts. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Maybe we should raise the age in general. Maybe you shouldn't be an adult at 18 anymore. Because why is that the number? It's an arbitrary number. If you go back to like 1750 or 1850, you were an adult at like 15. And now it's 18. But 18, that was like the mid 20th century. So let's just make it 21 now. Because let's be honest, you're not really an adult till you're 21 in 2022. So why are we sticking to some arbitrary legal number that they decided to slap on 100 years ago and say that's an adult? What criteria did they go to? I'm curious. What criteria did, did they sit down with when they, when they decided 18 is an adult? What scientific knowledge did they sit with and say at 18, that's the number. That's when you're an adult. Because it doesn't make any damn sense to me. I think it would definitely nowadays, it would be in the 20s. And 200 years ago, it would be in like 15. It evolves. Things evolve, okay? I want some honest, objective empirical proof as to why 18 is an adult tom good point tom says it must have something to do with God. tom great point is probably what it is tom tom nails it probably is because you get out of high school but to me that probably is but that should just that should not be the case anymore because getting out of high school doesn't mean a damn thing i understand it but it doesn't mean a damn thing anyway I'm looking forward to the the hearings, the January 6th hearings. I think um, they're going to shed a lot of light. Now, will people pay attention? I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to stomach anybody who tells me that it's a sham, like a sham investigation, because like if <laughs> they're calling it a witch hunt and a sham investigation, like, but we know it happened. Like there was an insurrection. There was literally people that rushed the Capitol building. They were literally attacked police officers. They killed a police officer. They injured permanently other police officers. One of them got shot and died. There was an incident, if you want to put it lightly. A sham investigation, a false narrative is like as if nothing ever happened and we're just creating like some false narrative. But there was a riot at the Capitol building. So how can you sit there and say it's like a sham, it's false, it doesn't need to happen? There was an incident that occurred at the Capitol building. It happened. So you can't say that it's a sham investigation. Something happened, you can have an investigation. You may not like that it leads back to your boy, Trump, but it probably does because who if I put a gun to your head and God was the God was sitting there and God knew the all knowing everything like reality no bullshit reality God knows and your life depended on saying did Trump cause that and your life depends on it and there's no getting out of it did Trump cause that a hundred percent of you a hundred percent of you are going to say, yes, he did. Because any other conclusion is stupid. Any other conclusion is the most, is absurd. Patently absurd. Period. And you all know it. 
You all know it. Get real with yourselves. Be a better citizen, will you? Watch the hearings. You don't want to watch them? Don't watch them. Don't call them a sham, huh? Don't embarrass yourself. Don't embarrass yourself. Anyway, that's my Rick thought last night. I released a podcast because I was so wound up about the hearings. I actually didn't. I was actually just trying to go through the news. I just wanted to try out the new setup. I was actually in a good mood. I just want to listen to this playlist. I actually didn't anticipate getting all wound up. You saw me early on in the podcast. I was kind of chill. It was almost boring, I think. People dropped off the, the stream. I think I was boring people. But you see, this stuff winds me up because you guys know. And, and I was called a center-right person earlier this week. I was called a right person, like a Republican earlier this week, because I attacked the left so much. Make no mistake, I attack whoever doesn't make any damn sense. All I care about is the objective truth. Don't ever make a mistake of thinking that, that I care about anything else. I'm wound up about this because it's the objective, obvious truth. The same way as when I go out the left. All I care about is the truth and what the patent, objective, common sense reality is. I care about nothing else. And nothing winds me up and gets me aggravated and gets me going more than when people ignore the objective, obvious truth. Nothing gets me going more. Period. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I will continue to attack the left and right when they make no damn sense. And I will continue to bump, you know, Joy Division and try to decompress. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull up, uh, let me see something. See if I got this here. Let's see if it works, people. Because of the new setup now, everything's different, as always. We always time we do this new setup, we gotta deal with this. Let's see. Bear with me. Listen to the music. Bear with me for a minute, will you? Thanks for hanging out with me on a Friday night, by the way. So, here's... I'm gonna open it up to phone calls, but you're gonna have to call the old Skype line. Remember that line? Even get it to work. It's not working right now. Hold, bear with me. Nope, can't do it. Unfortunately, the Skype account, since I haven't used the phone in so long, we've been on Podbean, I got to revamp it. I can't, I can't take a Skype call. But if anybody really wants to talk that bad, they can, and you got my number, you can call my actual number. I can put you on speakerphone and you can call in if you'd like. No pressure to do so. I'm going hiking early in the morning. I'm content to sign off and just leave you guys with the good music and say, hey, let's let's watch these hearings and chill. But if you want to call, I'll facilitate it. 
So you let me know in the chat what you want to do. Otherwise, this this episode, by the way, I figured out, I finally figured out the logistics. I can broadcast on YouTube. So get used to coming onto YouTube for the live casts. But I also, the program I'm using now is going to allow me to download it simultaneously. And then I can send the download to the majority of listeners, which is on Spotify, Audible, Amazon, Apple, all the primary podcast networks. I will be able to do that. And, uh... <laughs> no, Rick, all right, we're good then, and we're good. But I'm going to actually reset up Skype in the meantime. I'm going to make it so we can do calls again. Get used to YouTube being the home of this podcast every other Friday night. Get used to 8 p.m. being the time. If that changes, I'll let you guys know. I'll probably go on a summer hiatus at some point, but not quite yet because the hearings are going on. Other things are going on in the world. I do plan on being back on here in two weeks. So you'll hear me uh, a Friday, you know, Two Fridays from now, two weeks from now, I'll get the Skype going again. Tell everybody that the, the show is now redomiciled. It's redomiciled on YouTube, but you can still get this podcast any way you get your podcast. To those of you who are downloaders, who listen after the fact, there's a lot more of you. To all of you, it's still available on Spotify and Podbean, and it's available on... Uh, you can go to Podbean. The episode will be up. You can go to Spotify. You can go to Google. You can go to Amazon. You can go to Apple. You can go to Stitcher. It's up on every major platform and wherever you get your podcasts. Spread the word. We're still doing what we're doing. Tom, thanks for the props. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Siren. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, CLR. Thanks, Sahar. Thank everybody for being on the show tonight. Those of you who couldn't make the show tonight live, and I know it was difficult because of the switch in software, too. I know you're listening on the recorded version. I'll see you live next week. YouTube's better because I can see your comments easier. It's on the computer screen. I can talk to you guys easier. Everything, you know, is easier. The sound's better. I don't know if you noticed, but the sound, I'm using my actual microphone. I'm using the real microphone, so the music shouldn't be going in and out. It shouldn't sound all muddy. You should hear the music and me clearly because I got my legit microphone. So I'm excited about the new setup. I'm going to use this for the Dolphins podcast, too. Thank you all for joining me. Love you guys. Love that you guys stay objective, stay intellectual. We need these sessions to vent because the rest of the world is going crazy. But until two weeks from now... I will see you all online. I'll talk to you guys in real life. Spread the word about this episode. When I drop this link later, when it's out for recording, show everybody, share it. Let people know what we're doing over here. Let people know what we're talking about. Until then, God bless all of you and have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful June weekend. Good night. <laughs>